0: Resistance, Chapter 13, February Fifteenth, 1943, Train to Loads. Before we entered the carriage, I'd done a quick survey to find the nearest exit. If there was trouble, our only choice might be to force the doors open and jump, even onto rocks, rather than be captured. I doubted Esther could make herself leap from a moving train, which led to a question I had to ask myself. Would I abandon her? if that was the only way to save my life. I felt terrible even considering this with Esther right next to me. I felt worse knowing my answer to that question. She sat near the window, allowing me to occupy the more visible middle seat. A young girl was at my side, only four or five years old. No doubt she felt the effects of war, yet she still looked healthy and happy and had a doll that was entertaining her, at least for now. Across from me were the elderly couple, the mother, and a toddler boy who'd nearly pulled the communication cord at least six times already. In this model of a train, a tug on that cord automatically triggered the brakes and would guarantee a visit from an angry engineer to see who had interrupted the trip. Most of the times, the cords were covered, but this one was exposed. If I'd noticed that before we sat down, we would have chosen another compartment." For her part, Esther was doing exactly what she should or better. She'd already opened a book from her bag, one with a velvet cover that had a gold cross stamped onto it. She immediately bent low to read it. I doubted that she cared a single zealot for that zloty for that book, though its contents might be useful for her one day. More importantly, her hair fell over her face as she read, and she would probably remain that way for the entire trip. No one would get a good look at her, and no one would question why that was. It was clever enough that I wished that I had thought of it, too. I passed the trip, staring out the window, although there was wisdom in keeping my face turned from the rest of the passengers. I also generally enjoyed the scenery. In one moment, I saw a rolling hillside with the occasional farmhouse, the winter snow finally beginning to melt on the western slopes, looking completely untouched by war. In the next moment, the war returned with long jagged scars in a land where a skirmish might have taken place, or a village with Nazi flags or rows of freshly dug graves. Then the train pushed on, and the scene returned to normal again. I leaned back and closed my eyes, wondering if I survived this war. Could I ever return to normal again? Could one go back to one was? It an, could one go back to who one was in an earlier time? That didn't seem possible, which saddened me. yet at the same time energized me. I was stronger now than I ever used to be, more independent and confident. I was also more cynical and detached. I knew that. It was more of what I didn't like about myself, but it had kept me alive, allowed me to do what I had to do. It was why I hadn't spoken a word to Esther, even though we'd been traveling for over an hour by now. Our complete silence must look unnatural to the other passengers. Reluctantly, I took a deep breath and leaned over to Esther. Enjoying the ride, she looked up with an arched brow as if she had no idea I could speak. Yes, she stammered. And what appeared to be an attempt at politeness, the older gentleman across from me gestured around her carriage and said, These rides are better now. Oh? This ride seemed no different from any other, bumpy and loud, but pleasant nonetheless. The trains are Juden-free now. Esther's head shot up. Why should that matter, she asked, clearly offended. What did the Jews ever do but ride here same as others? I wanted to kick Esther again hard enough this time to get her head back down in that book. Aside from the fact that this man would perceive her behavior as being uncommonly rude, I also didn't like the darkening of his expression as he looked at Esther, studying her, suspicious. Raising his voice, he added, The Jews are known to carry disease, typhus, and lice, and who else? Who knows what else. Look at the ghettos for proof of that. It was true that the ghettos had disease, but we were not the cause of it. No one would be able to live in such close quarters, usually without running water, with no way to rid ourselves of the trash that collected and with little access to medical care and not face disease. Disease followed the Jews into the ghettos. We did not bring it. I smiled the same smile I wore for the Nazis at the ghetto gates. The same smile that hid the venom pulsing through me. The trains are less crowded now, that's true. The man paused while the toddler let out a cry, still upset that his mother wouldn't let him reach for the cord, then said, Poland is less crowded now. Before long, the Jewish problem will be solved for good. Beside me, Esther had a white-knuckle grip on her book. She needed to ignore him or to at least pretend that this conversation held no interest for her. Desperate for any distraction from managing her children, the boy who was reaching for the communication cord for at least the 30th time that hour and the girl who had begun repeatedly throwing her doll on the floor to have an excuse to climb down and pick it up. The mother cut in, saying, There is no Jewish problem. The problem is with the rest of us who pass beside the ghetto walls with a fresh loaf of bread, knowing the people are starving on the other side, and yet we do nothing. (coughs) She sat taller. I throw the loaf over whenever it's safe and pray that it gets found. I pray for those people every day, and so should you. What's happening to the Jews is pure evil. I don't wish harm, wish them harm, of course, but evil is a strong word, the man said, shoveling the weight of his sleeping wife's head on his shoulder. I'm only saying that the Germans have done us a favor by moving them out of Poland. They're still in Poland, Esther said, behind the ghetto walls and inside the bar- barbed wire f- fences of extermination camps. Extermination camps? The man arched a brow. There's no such thing. Maybe you are a anticipating his next word. I opened my mouth to diffuse his suspicions. But before I could speak, the train lurched forward as its brakes locked. The mother protectively pulled the toddler onto her lap. Then her eyes darted meaningfully from me to the train doors. The boy hadn't pulled the cord. She had. I stood up, drawing Esther with me. I think we're near our stop anyway. My grip on her arm was a merciless punch, and I intended it that way. The train slowly ground to a halt behind us, and I heard the train's conductor already making his way to each compartment, looking for the person who had pulled the cord. A quick glance behind confirmed that a Nazi soldier was with him. We ducked into a closet cove of exit doors, waiting for them to open. Why hadn't they opened yet? You look in these compartments, the Nazi ordered. I'll search the rear ones, the ones directly across from where we were standing. He'd see us. I tried to push the doors apart, seeking any gap with my fingers, but they weren't budging, and the soldier was almost upon us. The mother immediately darted into the hallway, making such a fuss that all his attention shifted to her. Forgive us. My son pulled the cord. It is my fault. There is a heavy fine for stopping a train without an emergency, the conductor said. I can't pay it, she said. What happened was only an accident. Her boy began crying almost as, as if I'd killed, or perhaps she pinched him to make even a bigger scene. Other people peeked out of their car, compartments to see what was happening. The woman began crying too louder than her son. Come with me, the Nazi officer said. We'll settle this in private. He took her arm and led her and her children out of the compartment away from us. Will she be in trouble? Esther asked. If she is, it's because of you," I, because of us, I snapped. As soon as the doors opened, she hurried down the train steps first, and I followed. We'd just passed through a farm town, and somewhere ahead was a thick patch of woods. But aside from that, I had no idea how far we were from Lowe's. I hoisted my heavy bag over my shoulder and led us off the tracks towards the nearest road. We couldn't run. We couldn't look suspicious. Anger rushed through every vein in my body. We were not leaving because of the communication cord, we were leaving because Esther decided to argue. The communication corps probably saved us from her full declaration of our true identities as proof of how wrong that man was. When we were far enough from the train between gritted teeth, I said, Our job is not to debate the racists, the uninformed. We are here to complete a mission, nothing more. But you heard his lies, all that stupidity. How could you sit there like it didn't matter? Because it doesn't matter. Now, when compared to the larger picture of what we're doing here. You could have gotten us killed. And for what? Did you think you'd change his mind? No, I... He was wrong and hateful, but he is not our enemy. He is the enemy, Kaya. The war will end one day and the Germans will go back to their own land. But here, we must live alongside thousands of people like that man. If we can't stop his hatred, this will happen again and again and again. I stopped there, stunned to see so much force coming from someone as small as Esther, and feeling humbled as well, because Esther was right. This disease, this hatred of Jews, was as old as time itself. You're right, I said. You're right about all of that, but your timing was terrible. After a heavy pause, Esther asked, What now? I shrugged and looked back towards the tracks. The man in our carriage had undoubtedly reported our sudden exit from the train and there were no sounds of it starting up again. We had to put as much distance between ourselves and the train as possible. If we had any chance of escaping this disaster, it was only because that young mother had risked her life to give us time to escape. So she knew who we were, and I better understood now the kind of woman she was, too. I began walking roughly parallel to the tracks with Esther at my side. Based on how long we'd been on board that train, we were probably about halfway to loads, but that still left us a long and miserable walk ahead. I knew you wanted me to keep quiet back there, Esther said as I walked. I tried. I really did. But isn't that the point of the resistance, to make sure the world notices us? The point of the resistance is to save lives, I retorted. Every single day, more Jews are dying. Our fight is to stop that from happening. Nothing else matters. I'll do better tomorrow, she mumbled. Can you? Yes, I can, and I will. She crossed in front of me, forcing me to look at her. Don't you ever make mistakes? I sighed heavily then and said, every day, but I learn from them and go on. That's what I'm doing, too. One day I'll become your equal, Kaya, not your burden. A gust of wind swirled up around us, and I buried my head in my coat for protection. When I looked up again, Esther had already walked on ahead of me, facing the wind, Maybe there was hope for her after all.